and uh, welcome Eva to this this episode of uh, Just Natural Africa, and uh, with a focus more on protected areas and how these uh, these are a prerequisite for sustainable development across Africa. Uh, so Eva, I would appreciate if you told us uh, your names, uh, where you're joining from, what are you wearing, and uh, any other interesting <laughs> that we really need to know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is pretty interesting. You're asking me what am I wearing? I, anyway, it's not special, but um, thank you for the opportunity, Joshua. Uh, my name is Eva Shitatala, and I come from Namibia, so I am actually speaking and or chatting with Joshua from Vintuk, uh, the capital city of Namibia. And um, I am wearing a white shirt. Actually, um, it's nothing special. It's just a very simple shirt. Um, yeah, it's a bit bright. So I like to wear white clothing because sometimes it brings out just whatever color it is. So um, I wear a lot of clothes stuff. I mean, white, uh, white stuff, yes. Maybe I can also talk about um, what I do. Uh, so I work as an environmental consultant um, here in Pintuk. I am a part-time student as well. So I am pursuing my master's in food systems and I own a business called Zadiva Fishery Products. So fishery product, it speaks for itself. I trade in uh, seafood and also sweet water fish here in Namibia supplying to restaurants, um, supermarkets, as well as and consumers. Wow, quite interesting, Eva. And uh, it's really amazing uh, how, how much you're trying to do within the food, within the direction of food. Definitely, we can't, we can't do without having meals. And I also do acknowledge that uh, dealing in fisheries is actually a component of uh, conserving of the broader biodiversity. But in this case, trying to focus maybe on freshwater or marine ecosystems. And uh, right now, I'm quite curious to know like, what inspired you to get into this whole space of uh, fisheries. But then I will talk about conservation, particularly. And uh, basically, your inspiration as an African getting into this space. <laughs> OK, so um, the reason why I got into fishery products, I guess um, if somebody knows um, where Namibia is, so we have um, we share part of the Atlantic Ocean, and this is one of the resources that has been abandoned at least um, here in Namibia, and it's also one of the industry that contributes to the GDP. So my reason for tapping in, it's also that I got to figure out that it's also a space that is not necessarily invaded by so many women and particularly on a small scale uh, level where I am operating in. And um, before uh, actually I got into fisheries in general, I was supplying uh, oysters to restaurants and um, as a result, uh, this client started was asking for diverse uh, products. And this is, I started looking and sourcing for actually fish, fish, fish products. And as an environmentalist, I'm also passionate about uh, seafood or marine resources as part of my work. And I thought, why not? And this is how I ended up being in the industry.
Yeah, I think just like many other people across across Africa, and nowadays we get to realize that there are a number of people who are getting into the the broader space of natural resources, biodiversity, and uh, conservation as a whole. But definitely, there are always some unique inspirations to why they actually get there. And that normally it's quite interesting to understand, like from individual levels or different levels, I always say, like individual levels actually, why people get to do what they actually love within the biodiversity space. And uh, recently, we've been hearing conversations around protected and conserved areas. But then in Africa, we have about, we have, Africa is about 30.37 million, million miles, square million miles. And uh, apparently out of this is just about 7% that is under protected and conserved area cover. And uh, this is really quite interesting because when you look at the current uh, post-2020 biodiversity framework draft, uh, we have uh, targets that are looking at 30 by 30, that's protecting at least half of uh, the land and of terrestrial and aquatic ecosystems by 30% by 230. So 30% by 230. And now we currently stand at 7%, which is really interesting. So I'm wondering what magic we'll have between now up to, up to 2030 to complete the remaining 23%. So uh, yes, I'm quite sure you've heard about the whole concept of protected and conserved areas. I'm just keen to know what this actually means to you. Do you actually live close to one? Have you been to one before? Have you walked around one? You know, so what exactly? How exactly do you understand this whole concept of PAs and CAs? Okay, um, I don't live close to one, uh, but um, what I can say is that I have worked uh, in several protected areas as part of my um, discipline in environmental and resource management. So um, understanding the concept is, I think for me, it's also the idea is that having worked around it, there is so much effort put on land than being put on the marine resources. And um, so a lot of work and emphasis, you see that people talk about um, protected areas such as heritage uh, sites. Uh, these are also protected areas. And you also see that, um, you also have areas that are sensitive. So for instance, in Namibia, we also have um, part of the coastal line, which is protected, is not accessible because of the uh, resources that are there and, and so forth. So it's actually to also consider the endangered uh, species as well, uh, because we are seeing that uh, some of the wildlife is hinting. And then as human uh, beings, you know, we have a tendency of sort of like, you know, wanting to invade every space. So as we move closer to certain environments, we see that uh, especially the natural habitat is changing or is being transformed into something else. And as a result, we lose uh, some of the natural resources, be it, be it wildlife, uh, be it plant species and, and, and so forth. And also we see that there is a need to preserve um, also heritage um, resources. And I think this is also, we see that there is a lot of cultures that are actually being worn out, you know? And as a result, you asked me what I'm wearing and you see that also we moved away from that traditional way of lifestyle, but obviously this comes with uh, modernization and uh, we are not asking to go back, but there are some of, also of heritage um, 
you know, resources that need to be preserved as well as artifacts so that the future generation can also look at it um, in that aspect. So this is what I would say, but as for the marine resources, we also seeing that um, in the fishing industry, there are specific trends that are also caused by climate change as well as uh, we see that overfishing of specific species also lead that um, we lose some of the fishery resources. And as a result that of the food chain, as you move across the food chain, so let's say if we lose the pilchard, for instance, uh, then we could not have other fishery resources or you know edible uh, products that we can have. And uh, this is very important that um, again, if we overfish or we fish beyond uh, where the boundaries of where we are allowed to fish, where maybe the fish is breeding, um, then we're destroying actually the, the future fish that we are going, if I have to speak in, uh, you know, layman language. Yeah, so basically without speaking and saying too much, I think that is what I would say. Yes, it's really amazing and interesting how, how we get to connect, how we get to connect, uh, um, like how we get to connect uh, your work within the fisheries sector to the broader aspect of conservation. Definitely, quite lately, we see scenarios of uh, extinction and uh, extinction and certain species being threatened, like it's really moving way fast. And we humans actually don't listen because the dominant aspect is, I should say, is a natural instinct in us that we have to dominate every little space we get. And that is actually a huge barrier or challenge. So definitely, from your experiences within the broader conservation space, I know you've, you've encountered some challenges. And uh, yes, challenges, challenges are there and uh, they always exist. But then as mm -hmm. I mentioned earlier on, with human interactions, we are quite tricky because we want to dominate every space. And uh, I would just, I'm just keen to know that, you know what exactly are some of these challenges you've been encountering? Have they been there for a while? Have they just started of recent, you know, or are they systemic or they're actually just, just peripheral? I would say peripheral, just maybe dilute, I don't know. <laughs> But are they just simple okay. or short term? So just keen to know what challenges these are. Okay, well, um, this is very interesting because you can see that there are different uh, levels to actually these kind of challenges. And also when you engage with different um, groups of people or individuals or institutions, you get to see that there are dynamics to it. So for instance, at the personal level, I always um, you know, refer to how my journey started as an environmentalist, for instance, uh, because I see that the way of how we lived before, you know, in comparison to the kind of lifestyle, for instance, I'm not saying that everybody is living like that, but I'm just saying through my journey, is that you see that there was so much interaction with the environment, you know? It's a place where, you know, we, where we played, you know, it's, uh, fruits or whatsoever that we used to get. It's places we go and visit. So there is a sense of appreciation, but um, also you see because of um, different reasons and also different push factors that you see that people tend to overlook um, environmental appreciations or natural resource appreciations. For instance, we look at the reason why people are poaching rhinos, for instance, you also see that there is an increase in specific values, you know, monetary economic value that people want to 
to, to benefit more in terms of selling specific resources and not appreciating you know, going to visit the rhino anymore. Mm -hmm. So you see that there is dynamics in what they are interested into. And again, getting into the fish, uh, the fishing industry, competition is high. There is high demand of fishery products and people tend to think more on the economic aspect. You know, again, even for me, it's a challenge. Like um, I am working with the small scale fishermen here in at the coastal part of the country. And again, to convince people to say that do not overfish specific resources. Um, you have to tell them, so what do you have to substitute with if this is my living, you know, my way of living and how I generate in an income? How do I get to do it otherwise to, you know, to earn um, another means of income than to actually fish out? So you have to substitute. So these are also the dynamics. And also you see that there is less appreciation for the environment as well. You know, people um, do not really spend so much time. There are other interests. People are more into technological aspects. So you also see that there is a way of living and so on. And then also the pressure to, to, to deliver. So for instance, at the government scale, you also see that um, policies tend to be directed to economic empowerment or promoting touristic activities. And sometimes these activities put a burden on the environment. Uh, the same environment that we want to show the people, it also the same environment that is caused by overburdening of, you know, of doing specific activities. So, but I think in overall, you know, it should be certain activities or certain economic agenda should not be looked in isolation um, with the environment. And I think as we grow together, you, you, you see that people are an essential part of um, the ecosystem. And if we also don't bring them to understand that, you know, if we do not appreciate the same resources that are giving us value today, is the same resources that without them, we do not have certain, you know, appreciations or rewards. So this, I think this is very important also to see that people are not educated um, when it comes to, you know, the natural environment and what does it mean if certain resources or part of the environment extinct? Because you cause an interruption to the ecosystem. And when you cause an interruption, because of the, the these uh, factors or these organisms, they are you know interlinked. Then you also see that the whole ecosystem is disrupted, and also this is partly the reason why we suffer from climate change. And climate change is bringing also other you know other problems as well to the ecosystem. You see that that is also the reason why we have war in some areas because you see that you know as the environment changes it forces people to move. And as people move, it increases competition. And you know, when competition is in certain areas, there is obviously an imbalance in the system and it leads to war and then war causes instability and it affects the whole ecosystem. So we cannot look at it in isolation. And I think the, the challenges actually cause more danger if we don't pay attention to it. Yeah, really, really amazing. And uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with the challenges you've mentioned. 
and uh, it seems quite quite a fact that most of these challenges are cross-cutting but then there are sometimes are variables that are unique to specific specific areas so uh, definitely with all these challenges it's always assumed that we we have a path forward and uh, sometimes there are people actually people um, are, are trying to address these challenges in their own way in the with the smallest bits of contributions they can actually make and uh, definitely while addressing these challenges we always have an ideal kind of an ideal kind of situation we want to achieve maybe an ideal world we envision uh, with regards to the different efforts we put in so right now i'm just curious to know what what kind of ideal world would you actually envision because yes these challenges are there and perhaps you have mm -hmm. some of these these solutions maybe you've been doing them already or you still have them in mind so what would this ideal kind of world look like the so tell us the, the world you actually live in right now and then what ideal world it would be and of course trying to hint on uh, some of the steps you think uh, would would have to be taken if we were ever to get into this ideal kind of world or situation okay um i think uh, to envision the kind of world that we live in right now i think you have committed individuals and uncommitted individuals. So you also see, and uh, you said it yourself, that you know there are already uh, interventions at a various level and that you see that people are committed. But even when you look in the context of climate change, the will is there of people to try to do certain things. But I think to take action because of various uh, variables and factors, people don't get to take uh, action. And it could also be for the, for the various reasons that we discussed. So actually for me, I think the ideal, um, the ideal world uh, would be to me is that actually a harmonious um, world or environment where actually human beings get it. And then also committed that there is no future without, uh, a committed uh, nation. And actually commitment, um, I was actually listening to, to the, you know, to the climate activist, uh, Van uh, Vanessa Nakate from, you, from your country. And she was making an example and she said, you know, how many people think that it is important, you know, to address the climate change issues and everybody put their hands. And how many people would actually commit resources as we speak right now and make their government commit to address this issue. And then everybody pulled back because now, of course, it, it sort of like prompt people to take action. But I think for me, actually, what would be important is actually that we care as of now that we wouldn't exist, that our existence wouldn't be if we don't take care of the environment. So I would wish that everybody understand what it means to lose the future, you know, and actually do something about it in their own individual way at their own individual level. Yeah, it's, it's really amazing. It's really amazing. And uh, yeah, some of these, these challenges are actually there, but then the ideal world is what we always look up to. It's always, it's why we always get up every day it's why we do what we always do. And uh, definitely we all are envisioning that ideal world, but then it all comes down to individual efforts, efforts we are doing at personal level 
a number of times mm -hmm. we talk about your lifestyle and how it inspires those around you to actually live the way you do. And I think normally that's the first step. So that drives me to, to my next level of curiosity because I know perhaps you're a role model in your own, in your own society or where you live or by what you do. And uh, I'm just curious to know, so how, like what steps are you actually taking as an individual to address some of these particular challenges uh, from your own lens? I would, I would also, also trying to draw this, of course, from what you're doing and then relating it to the scenario of, uh, uh, I would say, aquatic, aquatic protected areas in this case, that would be maybe mm -hmm. uh, marine and, of course, even within inland, inland freshwaters. But definitely, I know you're more with uh, coastal, so maybe more of marine, but uh, do let us know some of the steps you're taking. Okay, uh, so um, yeah, so that is a very good thing. Um, and I think it's also something that I have been thinking about a lot um, as I had to transition between, um, you know, moving then from my career to actually going into a business. And I actually thought, well, you can have both. And, and, and I think being an environmentalist, you always think about the issues related to sustainability. And uh, not only as an environmentalist, but you see that uh, sustainability, not even the context of the environment is important because how do you then get to retain the occurrence of the same thing for you to, make, to ensure that there is more for you to keep on selling, for instance, if you are a seller, again, if you are in business. So how do you make sure that the abundance of that specific commodity um, for me, where in my case will be the fishery resources, is available for me to be able to generate income. So um, again, there is few things that I am doing. Um, I, I, I do sell, of course, uh, marine resources or fishery products, saltwater fish, uh, if you want to call it from the ocean. Um, that is my current thing. But uh, actually, my reason is to transition into looking into alternatives of selling alternative resources so which could be you know um, then aquacultured product um, mariculture related so this is the sphere where I want to transition into in the near future looking at that the natural resources that are existing in a in an in a natural way is running out and I would want to contribute in that space again I'm still doing environmental work which I'm still passionate about the specific field and actually doing more scientific research and getting to understand and, and also, you know, adopting uh, solutions that are nature-based and also that are acclimatized to the environment, you know, and using this, uh, you know, indigenous knowledge, which we also realize that it's very important. So these are some of the considerations that I'm, put, um, I'm putting in place and also working with small scale fishermen because they do practices that promote sustainability in a way. And then also emphasizing and um, not uplifting, but actually enlightening on, you know, shedding light on these specific activities and also transitioning together because you cannot come and tell someone shut off what you are doing right now because it's a bad thing. But then you work together, we say, okay, now we are here, but how do we move from here to ensure that we still have much more for us to be able to sustain and continue with our activities. So for me, this is why I also started working, looking at sustainable products 
looking at seasonal fishery products because this is also something that fishermen are doing because it's occurrent and it is like that, but also looking at how do we make sure that we only set, sell certain products because as a customer, I want, if I like a specific type of fish, I would want to eat that fish all the time, but we know that that fish is not available every time. So also again, the aspect of educating consumers to also appreciate the fact that the reason that why something is not available at a certain point in time, it's because we also trying to preserve the environment and so forth. So in the sphere of education and trying to involve as many people as many people can be and also assisting our governments because we realize everybody has a role to play and i i have to do my part in the sphere of the environmental discipline and then as well as in the trade of industry where i am operating in yes it's really quite interesting because definitely uh, the main point i actually picked from there is everyone has a role to play and we have to support our governments but a number of times i don't think we're actually supporting our governments because we're supporting ourselves and it's the governments that are actually supporting us ideally that's how i, would, I think it should be uh, but at the end of the day at the end of the day it is uh, a common goal we are aiming to achieve that uh, each and everything we do is quite sustainable and it's not contributing to deterioration of uh, the environment around us. So definitely, mm -hmm. I also do understand that uh, Africa is a very, is a very, is a big continent, and uh, each and every, each and every day, each and every minute, every hour, every day, every week, every month, every year, we have people who keep dreaming, keep who keep dreaming about uh, issues of sustainability, uh, concerns that actually affect them within their own locality. So. Uh, basically, what word or piece of advice would you have for any young Africans out there who actually, I would say prospective, because a number of people are still prospective and are still trying mm -hmm. to find like their niches within the broader space. And then uh, also those who are already trying to lead the change, right, trying to drive the ambition towards, uh, towards sustainability, especially with regards to some of these core biodiversity hotspots, I would say PAs and CAs. And uh, that's also just speaking to your own particular journey. So what word would you have for any other youngsters out there, like myself and many more? <laughs> okay, so this is very interesting because I also need some inspiration and I actually draw from other people as well. Um, I think what is important uh, for us to do is never to give up and actually, and always to try to thrive um, into doing good and being a um, responsible citizen. Again, I will take it to the point that we all, each one of us have a role to play and you do not blame somebody else or another institution for not doing their part because you too, you are supposed to do your part. And um, actually having said the general uh, advice, I think I would say that uh, it's always important to look around uh, what is happening in the world. We see the challenges are the same across the world, but also, but, but addressing them may require a local solution because, on, because things are done differently in different areas. So we all suffer from climate change, but it could be that the practices that are being done in Namibia may not be the same practices that are being done in Uganda. 
so so because of cultural differences and so forth so it's always good to look at solutions that are happening everywhere else and you can try to adapt them to your environment and i think there is a huge space where as young people we can engage in particularly in the area of conservation in the area of climate change in the area of sustainability and also joining forces with those existing efforts already and institutions there are a lot of people who are working in this space and 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 also i'm seeing what is happening right now the fact that we are having a podcast and sharing this it's also again amplifying the voices of the efforts that we can do towards the environment we can do it i believe we can do it and as young people we have the will and also we we we, we have the enthusiasm to do it and I actually have we have so much to lose as young people, because without a protected future, we do not have a future. So I think this is where we have to actually think about and then I think I have to end it there yeah. Thanks so much, thanks so much Eva uh, that has, that's really quite interesting and inspiring because that's what these are some of the aspects you actually look up to each and every day, but most important takeaway is. is learning from each other and always really learning as we move on definitely yeah so behind yeah. the different efforts we put forward there is always a goal or target to want to file and uh, right at this point we want to know what you don't want to happen while you watch so definitely uh, for this particular last session or last phase um you'll have to start with a phrase of on my watch so in other words on your watch what do you want to see what do you want to see continuing uh, with regards to your own particular area of work or aspect of work. So uh, yes, that's what we are keen to know right now. <laughs> okay, well, I wasn't ready for this one, but yeah, yes, on my watch, um, I would want to see progression in the area of sustainability. And I would also want to see a lot of, um, <clears throat> a lot of uh, land which is being restored, a lot of natural habitat that is being restored. And I actually want us to reach that target by 2030 to ensure that we have restored and preserved the protected areas because we know that we need it in the future and also to translate it and to share it with the next generation and the generation to come. Thanks so much, Eva. So definitely as young people, we, we always have to keep learning from each other and what's going on around the continent. So uh, we've actually come to the end of this particular session and I want to thank you for, for, for joining in. Thanks so much. All right, thank you, Joshua. It was my pleasure.